Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing, der Bundesliga-Podcast. I'm your host, Manuel Fied, and once again joined by my co-host, Stefan Bienkowski. Stefan, how's it going? Yeah, very, very well. Very lively Monday afternoon. Uh, the Bundesliga never seems to cease or stop. It's just one crazy story after another right now. It feels like even though we're coming to the end of the season, it feels like the kind of transfer rumors and the stories around the biggest clubs are just getting more and more frequent. So, yeah, no rest for the wicked. You know what? Like maybe it's be virtual by where I work because like transfer mode, obviously that's a like a big part of our job, right? Um I actually get most excited about around this time. There's a there's a little bit of a quiet time in the beginning of April, you know, because like the season is just kind of gearing up towards the end of the season. And then like as we get into the end of April, the weather gets warmer, uh the transfer rumors get hotter. Uh, then the, you have all the titles that like the title decisions and all that. Um, we're entering kind of like one of my favorite phases of the year, Stefan. And I think it kind of will reflect a little bit the podcast today, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. We're not really talking about the football on the pitch as such, mostly to do with the big stories off it this week, which, you know, whether we like it or not, are kind of dominating what people are talking about right now. Yeah. Uh, tons to talk about this week. And then we'll, we'll, we'll Dive right into it um, right after this break. This gegen pressing podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, even next season futures. And don't forget that MLB is back as well. Who are, who are you picking to the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Yeah, Stefan, I want to start um, not a transfer rumor per se, but um, the Dortmund game on Friday. And boy, they proved me wrong. I actually thought they're going to lose this. Maybe I was um, a little jaded by the by the way they performed last week against Leipzig, right? But I thought it was a really good response. Um, Brand scoring both goals, but... It's what led up to the two brand goals, the um, Gio Reyna going off with yet another injury in tears, and we now know it's the end of the season for him. Um, it's very unfortunate for him, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's horrendous news. Um, you know, I actually, I was getting really excited about the return of Gio Reyna. I actually wrote a newsletter on it a few weeks ago, kind of talking through, you know, why thing everything was just kind of lining up for him to 
really step into a role in this team, this Dortmund team that no one really does well. Um, you know, on his day, he's a great goal threat from that kind of attacking midfield role. Um, and I kind of wrote a piece saying, you know, this team is just waiting for him to step into the shoes that Jaden Sancho's left behind because I don't think anyone else has done that. Mm. They obviously signed Daniel Malin, but he's more of a striker. Uh, Marco Royce is there, but he's obviously getting older. So I, I kind of put together this whole piece saying, you know, the pieces of this jigsaw are beginning to kind of fit into place for uh, Gio Reyna, for him to really step into his team, nail down a starting spot, become the next big star at Dortmund, and then he's got the World Cup for the United States, presumably uh, at the end of the year. Um, and then it's just another setback and it's horrible. You know, it's horrible to see such a young player get injured, but also just like the shots of him crying and things. It's just horrible. And then it's, yeah, I mean, luckily for Dortmund, it was one of the one of the few moments, I think, not enough this season, but one of the moments where Julian Brandt was really able to step up. He does have these games where he just kind of suddenly becomes the most, technically deft player in the Bundesliga when he wants to be. Um, but I think Erling Haaland kind of began to look back to his best as well. And and like you said, it was a great response from the, the Leipzig thumping. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we kind of talked about it on the previous show about like all the kind of stories circling Dortmund before this game. Yeah. I think they did a good job of kind of making, making it clear <clears throat> that's just not the case. Yeah, I just find it... I mean, there was a lot of rumors going around today, right, about Dortmund um, possibly having fired their athletic trainer because of what's going on with Gio Reyna. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and, yeah, that's just not true. I think this this was just something that was in the works for some time, right? Marco Rosa, of course. I think um, there was also some rumors last week about his jobs not being safe and that also made the rounds again today, and I don't think that has anything to do with Gio Reyna. I think... <clears throat> In general, I think when you look at Gio Reyna and you look at his dad, right, Claudio Reyna, who, who did play for quite some time for um, Wolfsburg. And um, you mentioned before the show that Stefan Effenberg actually brought this up as well. I think for him, unfortunately, might be genetics um, because his dad struggled with a lot of the same issues throughout his career and was a very gifted football player as well. And um, I remember him at the... Or was it the 2002 World Championships for in South Korea and Japan, where where he looked just fabulous at times, right? And you have those kind of players. I mean, Arjen Robben comes to mind, right? Who then Bayern finally uh, got to work with the right medical team to stabilize his body. I think this is really maybe where Dortmund are at, and he, I think they're pretty sure that they're going to reach the Champions League. Um, they. They're no longer in any of the cup competitions. I think at this stage they might they they, they just decided, look, this makes no sense. We're gonna we're gonna take you out until the end of the year, and we're just gonna make sure that you get to work on your body and that we're gonna find the right way forward with you as a football player because they, he does feature very prominently in their plans as to eventually replace Marco Royce. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and I think we're also kind of getting to a point with football that you know the. The medical side of it is obviously becoming is, is going in from strength to strength and fortunately when I've seen with a lot of these young players they're not rushed back um, they're, they are given their proper time to heal uh, you know we saw that with Haaland this season um, to an extent where you know he really took his time to come back from injury which maybe pissed off a few fans at times because they really want him back in the team but in the long term it's really important that these young players 
uh, do recovering time. And, you know, with Reina, I do sometimes think with this season, you forget that these players are are still kids, you know? And I made this point before when he was out before he came back, just maybe a month or two ago, but it feels like Gio Reina's maybe sprouted a foot in the last 12, 18 months, you know? And more often than not, when players go through these kind of growth spurts, um, their muscles take time to catch up with them. So, you know, um, yeah, we obviously wish him a speedy recovery. Uh, we're both huge fans of him. I think anyone, even if you're not a Dortmund fan, you're still a huge fan of him when he's on his game for uh, for them in the Bundesliga. So, yeah, hopefully still onwards and upwards for him in the long run. Yeah, I looked this up yesterday because I couldn't believe it. He's a meter 85, so six foot one. Um mm. Yeah, he has grown. Wow. I mean, you you probably, and I think we're forgetting how young he still is. Um, patience is going to be very important here uh, for the most part. And um, yeah, fingers crossed that next year we're going to sit a, a very, very fetchy arena. Um, we can be best back at the squad and um, yeah, and be, be, be playing well for the U.S. men's national team as well. Um, patience, Stefan. I think there's a man in the Netherlands who has no patience at all at the moment. <laughs> and, and it is leading to all sorts of stories. I think we were all getting ready for, and I'm making the jump, don't worry, we're getting to the Saturday games as well, but I feel like we need to address this next um, because it was such a big story on Sunday. And I think a lot of people are still trying to figure out what happened here. Um yeah, patience. Eric Ten Hag's uh, he doesn't seem to be known for his patience. Um, Leipzig were getting ready for what was probably the Spitzenspiel on this match day, right, against Hoffenheim. Mm. And just before the gate kickoff, rumors made the round that Eric Ten Hag was having was was being offered the Leipzig job for the new season. Mm. Um, this was first, I think, floated by media in England. Then uh, Mike Vervai also pa- reported it. And I don't want to poo-poo anyone's reports. At the end of the day, it's it's really important to note that we report what we are being told, right? Um, you and I reached out to sources, uh, different sources, um, and we were both said, and again, we're only reporting what we're being told. Uh, very quickly told that no, there is nothing to the story whatsoever. Uh, I believe Patrick Berger from Sport 1 also reported it, like nothing to it. This is absolute nonsense. And uh, when I reported it, I had a Dutch-English journalist a tweet out that this might have something to do with Eric Ten Hag because there is interest from, interest from Manchester United, right? Mm-hmm. Manchester United are very they're very slow when it comes to closing out deals. We all remember Jaden Sancho saga, right? Um, they seem to be always choose the most complicated route when it comes to transfers. And they, this journalist suggested that this might be Eric Ten Hag pushing United to make a decision quickly. How did you see all of this? Because we're going to talk about Leipzig a little bit more in a moment, but they have a very coach, good coach in charge at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. It was a very bizarre story to break on Sunday night because my timeline was just full of Bundesliga journalists and reporters and writers and commentators and whatever else, just trying to make sense of this story because it really did make no sense. You could not have picked a worse club to link uh, a manager to because, you know, Leipzig are probably the most stable team in the Bundesliga right now, all things considered. Um, 
I, I think there's something interesting to this. I completely agree with you that you know we 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 certainly cannot and we we are not um, you know fact checking or discounting what these reports in Holland have said. You know they are these 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 are these are professional journalists. They don't make up transfer stories. They are reporting what they've been told. The interesting thing is why they've been told those things. That's kind of the question that you can sometimes ask. And I think if you kind of look at if you take a step back and look at what's been said in England and what's been said in Holland, you kind of get the impression that Manchester United are kind of at the last stage with of things with Ten Hag. Um, two reasons I think that one. The, the nature of the reporting around Ten Hag, it's not just a few people saying this, it's across the entire English press. So, you know, um, it's unanimous that he'll become the next manager, which is usually only, which is only something that happens when these, when these deals are just about done or are about to get signed. And the second fact is that the rumours linking Mauricio Pochettino to the job have just completely vanished. Um, they've completely dried up and... I think that and indicates that you know Man United have really narrowed in on who they want. But the interesting thing as well, I think, is that on Sunday night or maybe Sunday afternoon, we also had stories about Ten Hag really making a push to get more um, responsibility or get to get more. Um, Trying to think of the right term here to get more clauses, perhaps in his contract. Seems to me as if he's making demands about the job, which is understandable in my opinion because Man United chew up managers for breakfast and they spit them out and more often than not, it really doesn't actually matter how good you are as a head coach. Um, so he's a very ambitious head coach and I, I'm, I'm not surprised that he wants to make sure his contract is airtight before he moves there. So if this is his people saying, let's maybe put something out that says a big ambitious club in Germany um, who have the finances probably to really push Man United for player contracts or head coach contracts. Uh, if we put that out there, it might make Man United sweat a little. And I think that's probably what we've seen here. Um, because from what I was told, um, the club are very happy with what Tedesco's doing. Uh, he has a contract until 2023. Um, I suspect that will probably be um, readdressed in the summer. Um, assuming you know something doesn't you know their their form doesn't just take a nosedive, but between now and the end of the season, but um, you know we're talking about a coach here. And I actually looked at the numbers, um, who is averaging more points per game than Marco Rosa did it, is doing at Dortmund right now, mm-hmm. and more than what Julian Nagelsmann averaged at RB Leipzig himself. Now, of course, Leipzig uh, Nagelsmann Nagelsmann's average is over two seasons, uh, but Tedesco's averaging. No better return than Nagsum did in either individual season. And, you know, we're not talking about a guy who's been in a job for three or four weeks. He's now been in charge for 20 games and he's and he's played four of the four of the five other top six sides in the Bundesliga, if that makes sense. So of the six of the top six sides, I think he's the only team he hasn't played is Leverkusen. Uh, and of course they've played some very good European sides as well. So you know, I think we're at a fair stage to start saying, right, Tedesco really feels like the real deal here. So, yeah, to cut a long story short, this rumour made no sense. Uh, but at the same time, you can understand where it came from. Yeah, I think what was happened here is like, what whoever put this rumour out, uh, whether it was Ten Hag, his team, or like, someone had put it out, right? Um, and someone told the press in the Netherlands. Because, 
I read uh, Mike Favai's article in The Telegraph, and he is very good journalist. Um, and it was very detailed, Stefan. And I had like, I had like clauses, details of clauses and all that sort of thing. And like, this is not something you make up. This is something that you being handpicked, given, right? Um, mm -hmm. We both we both write articles like that, and we know how this works. Someone gives you that information, and they give you that information for a reason, you know. And um, and I I looked at this, and I'm like, yeah, like obviously he's been given this information by someone. Um, I don't think it's United, so you can narrow down who that someone was, uh, to pretty much the agent or the coach himself. And I thought it, that that was that was very interesting in itself. And there were some comments also by Ten Hag um, that he's made uh, to another Dutch journalist that he he kind of sees United as a stepping stone club for like a place where he's only going to go for two or three years. Mm -hmm. um, and he was really worried about how, what it will do to his chances to one day coach Bayern Munich. And obviously, you you mentioned this. United is a club that churns out head coaches, Louis van Gaal went there and had his reputation absolutely ruined. Um, and um, Ten Hag is probably, and I, I think this is maybe where you, what you're touching on, he's looking at certain clauses and guarantees in his negotiations with United, um, or in this case, Rangnick was, I think, moving to the sporting side of things, right away from the bench, mm -hmm. and sort of like saying like, okay, what sort of control do I have? Um, what sort of securities do I have if this goes wrong? Because it could, right? And I think this is this is someone negotiating in public. And I think that is actually a very... I, I know we're kind of veering into a Premier League discussion here and away from Leipzig, uh, who are being used here as a pawn, um, probably something that they don't like very much. But it's I, I find that all very fascinating. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and if he'd maybe been linked to Dortmund or <laughs> I don't know who else, Leverkusen, I don't know. Could you imagine Dortmund? Like what I would have done? I mean, we would have probably all said, oh yeah, this could be true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Dortmund fans would maybe be saying, yeah, go for it. But the Leipzig fans on my timeline were very bemused by the idea. They don't want Ten Hag. Um which just goes to show how far Tedesco has taken that club in a very short period of time. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was very entertaining. But I think it's it was probably worth us talking about and just clearing up maybe because we may have some listeners who don't scroll Twitter all day long like we do. Um, mm. And they might be probably waking up maybe thinking, what is going on right now? So yeah, we can put this one to bed, I think. I think so too. Um, Leipzig were very good on Sunday. I mean, this, this is another statement when they are very much on course for the Champions League. Um, have a very big game, of course, in, in the Europa League uh, against Atalanta, where they can where they can head to the semi-final. Still lots to play for. I think for them, I wonder what the reaction was internally at Leipzig, other than them saying, obviously, that Tedesco is very firmly in the seat. But I, I, this must be the sort of thing where you're like, okay, why? <laughs> we, we do not need this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, yeah, it's it's a very it's a very bizarre thing because Leipzig have just been so so good recently. Um, you know, they've been one of the best teams. I've, I've said this countless times on this podcast recently that they've probably been the best team in Germany since the start of the year. Um, and they're probably now cracking on with their long-term plans. Can you imagine, like, 
Leipzig going into this summer transfer window with all these star players that they have and more or less have probably convinced to stick around for our season because Tedesco has turned around things so quickly. Because let's be honest here, guys like Christopher Nkunku, Shobislai, um God, who else? You know, da- Danny Olmo, yeah, he's a good one, a good example as well. All these players will be sitting there thinking, you know, yeah, Leipzig's lovely club, nice place to live, but I'm only here as long as we're pushing for titles or the promise of titles. And can you imagine after everything has happened and everything Tedesco has done to turn things around and provide that kind of promise to these players to stick around for the summer if they just then sacked them and replaced them with Ten Hag? It it just makes no sense. Yeah. Okay, well... We'll move on from Ten Hag, I think, and um, maybe Leipzig too. Uh, again, we're probably going to have lots more to talk about them later this week. Um, big game against Atalanta. I think they can really, really firmly put themselves... This would be the second semi-final in a European competition in three years if they make it, mm. right? Not bad for a club that hasn't been around for more than 12 years. Um yeah, I think big would be a big milestone for them because I think that is a competition that they can win. Um, and then, of course, they have the shot at the DFB Pokal. And you usually find when a team like that wins their first title that that can really be an impetus too for them to move on and maybe um, be Bayern's biggest challenge the next season. I think that's where I firmly see them. Um, speaking of Bayern, Stefan, <laughs> so we recovered from the news on Sunday. And uh, just to realize that Monday will just continue with more, more crazy rumors, more transfer stories. Um, Robert Lewandowski finally scores again, this time from the spot. Ah, this game was terrible to watch, Stefan, against Augsburg. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes I say that those are 90 minutes I want to have back. I want those 90 minutes back. Um, Augsburg being destructive, but then, you know, Bayern eventually getting that penalty and Lewandowski steps up. Still doesn't look like his former self. Um, you know, it doesn't feel like he's 100% there yet. And, you know, some of it is this injury crisis. But I wonder if, like, the all the stuff that's going on with his contract, the rumor today that he has um, put a line under his time at Bayern Munich. Um, I think you tweeted this as well, and that he has decided to join Barcelona and um, I think you've including included in your tweet too that no decision has made. Um, this has been firmly denied by anyone I've been talking to as well. But you do get the sense maybe this is goodbye for Lewandowski. Yeah, so the, a big report came out in Poland today that he had agreed to sign for Barcelona. He, he would sign a three-year deal and it was now up to Bayern and not only that, but he he told Oliver Kahn, the CEO of the club, that he was leaving or he wanted to leave. So you know, it basically said he'd drawn a line, line under his time at the club um, and that it was up to Bayern Munich to either sell him or stick around for a year and see what they can get out of him before he left for free in 2023. Um, now, you know, um, the German press kind of jumped on this very quickly. Um, Falcott Sport Beeld report. Uh, tweeted this wasn't true. Kerry, who obviously has been on this show a number of times yeah, from Sport Eins, he said the same thing, that nothing will be decided uh, until the clubs and the player have actually sat down and discussed a new contract. Uh, and then when I spoke to someone who's very close to the player, they said the reports in Poland are simply not true. 
So, yeah, I think this was this was, this one was probably a bit of a false alarm. Um, but it was interesting to kind of see how people were reacting to it. Um, it mm-hmm. wasn't so much a case of you know like when Messi left Barcelona last summer, people were decrying uh, that they couldn't believe this was happening. It felt very much like people saying, yeah, okay, fair enough, this makes sense. And there's a lot of Bayern fans as well, perhaps just kind of resigned to the idea of him moving on, which was quite interesting as well. Um, And yeah, and maybe that's because the last couple of weeks he just simply hasn't been himself. Um, You know, I think you can understand if he maybe was suffering from injury, um, Mm. still hasn't looked 100% since the international break. I thought he was pretty poor against Augsburg. I thought the team itself were absolutely dreadful. Um, and I must give Augsburg a huge amount of credit here because I thought, and I do think in, in recent weeks, Marcus Weinzel has really turned that team around. Um, I thought they were inch perfect in their tactical execution and the way they, def- they frustrated Bayern, but also in the way they counterattacked really, really well. They've got a really well put together front line there. Uh, really hardworking players who'll run all day, counter-attack with speeds um, and I think they definitely deserved a point from that game, I really do I didn't. I wasn't even entirely sure it was a penalty but who cares, I can't really be bothered arguing about penalty, uh, referee decisions um, but, and yeah so I mean the interesting thing is that like this this kind of story kind of fits in very conveniently with the way that Lewandowski is playing right now um, and by the time people probably listen to this podcast, they'll have also had another game, a very important game against Villarreal, to mm. decide whether he is back or not. I suspect he probably will bounce back because he always does, and Bayern will probably bounce back because they always do. Um, but it'd be interesting if they don't. That would be that be that would be sure that would be for sure. Um, you know, it'd be absolute chaos at uh, Sabina Strasse if Bayern do get knocked out this week. And maybe we shouldn't talk about that because there's no point, but. Um, it's really interesting what, what what's going on with Lewandowski right now because it does feel to me as if you know we we are getting to a, a point where a huge decision will have to be made. Uh, you know the club have already discussed um, that they speak they're reaching out to Thomas Muller about his new contract negotiations, and I think we'll probably get a good indication of where things are going from that uh, as to whether. Manuel Neuer and Robert Lewandowski will also be getting similar contracts because if Thomas Muller only gets maybe a one-year extension, which he himself might be happy to agree to because he's Mr. Bayern Munich and he's never going to leave the club, etc., etc., then, you know, Robert Lewandowski may turn around and say, well, I want much more than that. I want to be regarded as, you know, the, the, the jewel in Bayern's crown. And if Bayern can't offer him that, then we may then see him move on. Uh, I, I certainly don't think that's beyond the realms of possibility. Um, but for now, we wait and see. And I think Bayern fans at the moment would just be hoping he can get back to scoring goals that aren't penalties. Uh, I have I have some thoughts on all of this too. Um, this is a guy who will turn 34 on August 21st, right? By the time his contract nears, is ex- expires in 2023, He'll be one month away from being 35. Um, you know, let's say, he, I mean, I do put him in the same category as Cristiano Ronaldo in terms of the way he takes care of his body and the way he um, is fit beyond, like, he, he, he comes across as a player who's much younger than 
um, his actual biological age, right? Or right, sorry, his actual his biological age is younger than his actual age. Let's get mm. this straight. Um, but at the same time, this is now the second year in a row where, in April, when it matters, he has been troubled by injuries, right? Mm. Um, and it's some indication is there it could be the knee again, like it was last year, and. Uh, we all there. We all know what it is like in the mid thirties. Um, injury recovery is slower. Um, uh, granted, he works in his body every day, but you know, I, I understand what Bayern say. Look, a three-year deal for us is a huge risk with everything that's going on financially with COVID. We are only just returned to full capacity stadiums, and we can't necessarily give you 120 million euros over the next three years. Because those are the sort of figures that have been floated. Mm. And in fairness, I get it. I really get their position too, because he really is only one major injury away from being done at this age. It's very difficult to come back from something very serious. And so it is a cost-risk calculation. There is no billionaire oligarch, eastern, a Middle Eastern state to bail you out if you get this wrong. Yeah, and Oops, right, yeah. I think we had carry on. We pretty much underlined that as well a few weeks ago. I, I think that's probably where you were going with this, right, Stefan? Yeah, you know, I was just going to. I think there's maybe an interesting comparison to be made here. You know, Lewandowski has for much of his career been compared to Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, and if you look at their situations over the last couple of seasons, they too have struggled with the clubs they were playing with and. They've struggled to continue to prove to these clubs that they're worth the money that they demand because it's just obviously a case of getting older and your numbers begin to drop off or you begin to pick up injuries at, you know, in terms of Messi, okay, Barcelona wanted to keep him, but they couldn't afford to continue paying him what he wanted to earn. So he's moved to PSG, who, of course, can pay players any sort of amount of money but even they are probably re- now wondering whether he's worth paying what 50 million euros a year or whatever he's on uh Cristiano Ronaldo similar situation Juventus wanted rid of him because he wasn't returning the goods he wasn't helping them push on in the Champions League so he moved to Manchester United where again like Messi he found a club that will pay him what he wants but from a sporting point of view he's had to take a step backwards and Bayern Munich are probably looking at what's going on with uh, Lewandowski at the minute and thinking, well, we either cut our losses at this point or in 2023 and let him move on to a Barcelona or a Manchester United or a PSG or a Manchester City or whatever else, or unlike Juventus and unlike Barcelona, we offer him that new contract and stand by him until he's in his late 30s. And we, but the problem is Bayern Munich don't have limitless funds they are of course one of the richest clubs in the world but the money that they continue to pay Lewandowski over the next two three years will directly impact on how much money they'll have to replace him one day I think that's the big issue and that's the kind of golden question that Bayern Munich have to answer between now and the end of the summer and that's probably where Lewandowski is sitting there wondering why they haven't made a decision yet Um, and you know, despite how good he is and how well he has played for Bayern Munich over the years, and the fact that he's probably managed to really kind of 
establish himself as a striker of his generation, we are now approaching that point where maybe he's not worth that money to Bayern Munich and maybe they should draw a line under things and look for a successor next summer. The succession plan has to come one way or another anyways. I mean, you, you have to at one point look at the market and you have to you have to find someone to replace them. And that, that's happening either way, right? Hmm. Um, whether it's in, I mean, I, I, so this is where I am personally at. I think if Lewandowski doesn't renew his contract, he's probably going to leave on a free transfer in 2023. And I say this because I don't think there's a successor available in 2022. I don't think they can find someone to replace him this summer. Because I, I, I reckon Haaland is going to City or uh, Real Madrid, right? Um, that seems to be pretty much predetermined. And other than that, like, who's still out there? Like, maybe Darwin Nunez from Sporting, uh, from Benfica, right? He's he's an interesting candidate. But is he already a 30-goal scorer in the Bundesliga? I don't think so. Um, so you are in a situation now where I think you're either renewing or you're letting him go on a free deal in 2023. That's sort of my prediction. And you're using 2022, 2023 um, to find a replacement. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably, and that's possibly why the, the club haven't reached out to him yet. And I think will be really interesting to see how they approach these three players who need contract renewals. So just to be clear, Muller, Neuer and Lewandowski are all out of contract in 2023. And I wonder if Bayern deal with Muller first, then Neuer, and then they turn to Lewandowski and say, look, all we can offer Muller and Neuer were one-year extensions, two-year extensions, whatever else, on current pay. We can't offer pay rises. If you think you're worth more than these guys, feel free to go play the market, but that's where we stand on things. And I think that would be a fair position for Bayern Munich to be in. Deal with the easy deals first and then the complicated and use the easy deals as a benchmark for the complicated deal. That's smart business. Exactly, exactly. I'm glad if hopefully, you know, maybe Oliver Kahn's listening to the podcast and we'd sort the problem for him. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> these guys are right. They know what they're talking about. Um, <laughs> let's let's move on to the mailbag. Um, we got some interesting questions this week and um, we've deal, dealt with one. I, I want to give it a shout out anyways uh, because I know Paul Blylock listens to this podcast every week. He asks questions every week and um, he asked about whether Leipzig are going to start a coach merrier go around like we had last year with Ten Hag. I think we answered that quite clearly already, but I want to give it a shout out anyways. Um, Rob C asks, um, an American Peruvian listener, if Freiburg make Champions League by a miracle, can they hold on to players like Nico Schlottenberg for one more year or are they doomed to get picked apart because of their success this season? Um, Stefan, I think Schlottenberg, Nico Schlottenberg is going to Dortmund. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Uh, and unfortunately for Freiburg, I think that's probably already decided now. I think he's probably made it clear to the club that he'll be looking elsewhere. Whenever he does speak to the media, he he gives a wink and a nudge to suggest that he's moving onwards. Um, and, you know, the club will make good money from that and then they'll kind of move onwards and upwards. And that's just the way that Freiburg work. Um you know, to see them in the Champions League would be really quite something because they have been an excellent team this season. Uh, really well-worked team, really well-worked kind of tactics and squad planning. And everyone in Germany would probably quite happily congratulate them on that. Um, but 
I just can't see Schlotterberg sticking around. He's obviously got ambitions of being a starter for Germany next season uh, at the World Cup. And I think Dortmund will be very aggressive in trying to sign him in the summer. So, unfortunately for Freiburg, maybe not. I mean, if they do finish in the top four, maybe they can demand a, a bit more money for him. Um, but all I'd maybe really say is that I think aside from him, the team are pretty well placed to kind of carry on. You know, they, they, they're not really a team like a Leverkusen or maybe a Hoffenheim or maybe Dortmund maybe to an extent who are kind of made up of exciting young players. They're made up of very functional players. Um, a perfect example of that is Niels Peterson, who obviously once again scored an important goal the weekend and I actually did numbers and per 90 minutes he's actually averaging as many goals per 90 as Robert Lewandowski this season of course he's a super sub so it's not the same thing but I thought that was quite funny uh, but yeah I, I don't think just to kind of circle back to Rob's question I don't think aside from Schlotterbeck they're going to really get picked apart so you know it's not all doing gloom for them if they do reach the Champions League and I think they're quite well prepared for it, as you alluded to, right? I mean, this is a team that's very much built on being a developing side and then move on their players. This happened many times before in the past. And Streich, I mean, Streich is quite open about this sort of stuff. Christian Streich, the head coach, of course, if you're listening for the first time. Um, and he's quite open about that being who they are as a club. They are there to develop players, move them on, take the money, put it into the club and develop the club and become bigger and better. And Schlotterbeck is, is, is an example of that. He will move on for 25 million to 30 million euros in the summer, um, form a new defensive pair with Sule, which is probably also going to be the national team defensive pair. Um, and that will be just fine for, for Freiburg. I think they're just really okay with that. Um, I want to go on to the next question by Stephen Clark. Any explanation behind the away form for Mainz? Champions League form at home, but can't convert this to away games. Mainz are an odd side this year. I can't ever pick their results right because like, they never look like a bad team. But whenever I'm thinking like, okay, they're going to win this game, this is a game that they lose. And yeah, their away form has been atrocious. What do you make of this? Yeah, we talked about this on the preview show actually uh, at the end of the last week. And I said they're... Jekyll and Hyde form is one of the most bizarre things in the Bundesliga this season. So just to kind of give some context to all this, they were playing Cologne at the weekend and they actually went two goals up. And I was watching the um, Bayern game, but I was watching the results come in and I was like, what is going on in Cologne? There's no way Mainz are going to actually, or Mainz are going to go on and win this game. And sure enough, they didn't because they're Mainz and this just seems to be what they, what they do. Um, but to kind of give some form of an answer, all I can really say is that the for, the kind of tactics that they play just seem to work so much better at home and they just don't work well at all at home, away. Um, you know, to give some kind of numbers to kind of maybe explain it, they create a lot more chances at home. Um, they score twice as many goals at home and their XG is about two thirds higher. But then also in terms of like the goals they concede, they concede 0.57 goals at home, but they concede 1.87 on the road. Uh, and their XG against, which is just kind of like a good way of defining how many chances they concede, is about 30% higher on the road. So, you know, I think in front of their own, own fans, they've got this kind of really smart system. Bo Svensson's a really, I think he's actually a really promising coach. 
in, in, in general. But, you know, they obviously have to get this fixed because I'm pretty sure only Greutherford have a worse record on the away from home. And it's and it's obviously holding them up because if you kind of look at it, if you, if you do look at that Bundesliga table, Mainz are like dead in the middle when they really should be pushing for a kind of European spot. I know it's not out of, out of the realms of possibility, but you do think if they'd maybe picked up maybe two or three wins on the road this season, they would have been right up there with Hoffenheim and Freiburg. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's a good enough answer, but that's what I've got. Mm. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. I think you break it down really well. Uh, our final question is from Yannick uh, or on Twitter, at Mitania. What about Hertha? Are they done? They have that super important game now in Augsburg next weekend after Saturday's disaster, and I think they're going to lose that as well. What do you think? Will they go down? Well, long answer short, yes, they will go down. What do you think, Stefan? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I do. And I kind of alluded at the start of the show um, that I've been really impressed with Augsburg recently. I think they've really turned a corner under Weinzierl. They should have taken a point against Bayern. Uh, and I think they should quite comfortably beat Hertha. And then it's, it's really interesting for Hertha because they've got Augsburg, then they've got Stuttgart, then they've got Arminia Bielefeld, Mainz, and then they've got Dortmund. And I'm looking at that, sis. I'm looking at those list of fixtures, and I've maybe seen one, maybe two. They've got Mainz at home, which, as we've just explained, is an automatic three points for everyone, it would seem. Um, but then they have to go away to Armenia Bielefeld, which is possibly the only other fixture that they could go on and win. So I think it's a really, it's, it's, I think it's a really tricky task. Or it's a really a very tricky ask t- for them to pick up more points this season. Um, so I think we might be looking at another, you know, in inverted commas, big team getting relegated this season. Only thing I would add to that is that Matt Ford put up a really good piece on the Deutsche Welle website kind of running through what's gone wrong at, at, at Hertha the last couple of, well, this season, I guess, but over the last couple of years, the £375 million they've wasted from the investor, which has now got to the point where the ultras were demanding that the players surrendered their shirts after the game against Union. So um, Matt's articles are always worth reading, so I would certainly look that up. Uh, he's Matt underscore 4D on Twitter. Uh, so I definitely say if you're looking for some further reading, anyone who hasn't been following her to this season, I'd say that's a good piece to start with. Yeah, I actually like I wrote a few pieces on the investor windows for Forbes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I give that a shout out to where we are at, and it is a very complicated situation for them because they went in, he went in there, and it is he is in apparently there's all sorts of news um, coming out that he is in all sorts of financial trouble himself, right? Because um the of his investment strategy um he has everything prepaid so at least had to uh, don't have to pay that back in case he does go belly up it just means there's no new it does it looks like there's no new fresh money coming i think that this is a wonderful german term offenbarungseid um you know like laying open all the facts and for Union, and we said this on the last show and Union couldn't have further underlined this any better Onion are now the Berlin's team. Mm. I think, and you know, they they showed this. They are seventh. They're even on points with Hoffenheim. They could still make the Europa League this year. Um, they dominated this game. They have more. They have more members now than Hertha. They own the inner city core. I, I think they firmly are Berlin's team. Mm. And you know, I think in the years to come, that will be only further underlined. 
right? Like they will expand their plans to expand their stadiums to 45,000 seats. Um, a lot of that standing room, which is, I think, for Berlin is perfect. And while Hertha having all these grand plans and illusions, Union go down and they do it. Mm. And I think that's a huge difference. And they do it in a way that is maybe more fitting to Berlin than what Hertha are doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think as well, like as we saw against the Union, you know, there's one team there who know what to do when they're up against it. And there's one team that just continue to flail and struggle. Um and I think that's possibly what's going to end up costing them in this relegation race because they're up against teams like Stuttgart and Augsburg uh, who have been up against it countless times, who have seasoned professionals and that team who know how to play in relegation races. Um, and you then, okay, yeah, maybe the only other team I could see maybe getting dragged back into that is maybe Wolfsburg or Bochum, but they still have a lot of quality. They still have things that they can cling to. Mm. Wolfsburg obviously have talented players. Bochum have that home record. Gladbach are now beginning to look a lot better now as well. So, you know, I, I just can't see beyond Bielefeld and Hertha getting dragged into that relegation race. And I think Stuttgart and Augsburg might actually now pull away from them now. Mm, yeah, I think so too. It's interesting. I think for Hertha, this could be the most complicated relegation yet yeah. because of, of what's going on. And you see it with Hamburg, uh, HSV. And um, I think in the coming weeks, you should probably do a special on Hamburg HSV. Because it looks like St. Pauli are getting promoted, right? Mm. And um, it's very difficult for one of these older established big city clubs to make their way back into the Bundesliga. Hamburg are now been down there. They're going into their fifth season in the second Bundesliga next year because I don't think they're going to get promoted again. Mm. And, um, you know, it is very much then up for someone else in that market to establish themselves. And... Um, with being in the inner city, having a smaller, more compact stadium, not as many members, not as many people that think they have a word to say, more direct lines of communication. I think that is all things that maybe if you're building something new, that will benefit you. Mm. And uh, for Hertha, I think it's going to be a long and very complicated way back up. And maybe they're never going to come back up. That could happen. And Union be, will be Berlin's team. Um, yeah, interesting times for them, for sure. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Stefan, or, or if you should call it a day. Um, I think I think you did a very good job of of uh, summing it up. We did talk about it earlier in a couple of weeks ago, I think, and I, I kind of made the point that the thing that really worries me worries me about Hertha, and this is obviously what happened at Schalke last season and at uh, Hamburg when they did go down, is that they have a lot of players on long term expensive contracts at that club. Yeah. Um, if I was a Hertha fan, I'd be really hoping that someone at the club had the foresight to put in clauses that you know salaries get slashed or possibly contracts even get cancelled if they do get relegated because we have a lot of expensive, underperforming players who will not help them get promoted back to that um, back to the Bundesliga, um, but they will sap the resources that they need to to jump back into the get back to bounce back up rather so. Um, yeah, it's a very tricky situation for Hertha right now, and it's a shame because you know you make you're obviously right that Union are now the, the team in Berlin, but it's a it's a city that could have four or five huge clubs, uh, but yeah. for some reason it doesn't, and maybe we can talk about that on another podcast in the future. Summer, it's good times for specials. I think we have a few topics already nailed down. Um, anyways, guys, this show is always brought to you by Bet Online. Um, please leave us a review. Keep the questions coming. They really help us to do 
to answer first of all you, but also give us give the show a really nice structure. So we really really appreciate them, um, and it's it's great having hearing from the listeners as well. Uh, makes us realize that someone actually does listen to the show. So yeah, uh, thank you so much, and until next time, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.